0: Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think,
1: that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, you will get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas.
2: Hey everyone, it's Heidi Fang here along with our Raiders, Riders, Miles Simmons and Adam Hill. This is the Vegas Nation podcast and we're brought to you by STN, Sports Mobile, Stations Casino. Make sure to subscribe at VegasNation.com, download the Vegas Nation app, follow all things that we do here, silver and black. You can also find this podcast on ReviewJournal.com podcast or anywhere else you get your shows. Make sure to comment. Let us know what you think. We always love hearing from you. And in fact, I did get a comment. From a listener. And it was brought to my attention last week that we never gave a proper goodbye to Michael Gilkin, our former Raiders beat writer. So I wanted to take this opportunity to officially do that. He was fantastic to work with, and we do wish him well in his next venture. And now, stepping into that role of the Raiders writer here at the RJ, we have Miles Simmons, who comes to us from the Rams, and also Adam Hill, who's on just about every beat here. So, Miles, how are you doing tonight out in Seattle? You've been there at the game today. It looked like It was a little bit rainy as everything was happening out there. Uh, How is it going out there in Seattle?
0: Yeah, you know what? It was very rainy, but fortunately, I stayed dry today because when I walked to the stadium pregame, it was sunny and it was actually really nice throughout most of the day. And then it didn't really start raining until about an hour, maybe an hour 15 before kickoff. And it really rained throughout the entire game. But when I walked back to the hotel, I also stayed dry. So I am
2: winning today. And Adam, you had a fancy flight on a fancy jet to get out to Oakland where you are now. So what was that like?
1: Uh, it's just wonderful. Listen, I'm I'm a veteran of that uh, that route. I think I could fly the plane myself now. Uh, made the trip several times the last couple of weeks and I look forward to doing a couple more talks
2: awesome. Well, I also want to make sure that I let all the listeners know that we have a great interview lined up for you here tonight. We spoke with Alex Marvez from Sirius XM NFL radio, and he's going to give us his take and outlook of the Raiders upcoming season here. And we are now through the preseason and the tough job will begin here with the Raiders. John Gruden and Mike Mayock have their work ahead of them leading up to August 31st when the roster must be down to the 53 man one that they will go into the season with. But I think at this point, And after this game here, they had that loss just today in Seattle. 17-15 was the final score on this Thursday night. And I think at this point, Gruden and Mayock know who they're going with, know who they're going to keep. But there's those few guys that remain on the bubble. So um, I will talk about... Ethan Westbrooks, because Miles, I think he's somebody you're a little familiar with from the Rams, and he looks like to be one of those guys right now, had a pretty decent game. Not sure if it's enough to get him signed to that 53-man roster. What do you make of Westbrooks?
0: Yeah, I think he's had a very good preseason, and it's probably been pretty tough for him just from the standpoint of he didn't get signed to the Raiders until they were, what, like a week, a week and a half into camp. I think he got to the Raiders just before the Rams came up um, for their two joint practices there. So he's had sort of limited opportunities just from practice. Um, but I think once he's gotten into those games, you can see his versatility because he can play on the outside at end. He can play at the inside at tackle and he can get after the quarterback really, really well. So, I mean, as you just said, like I have been around Ethan Westbrook since really his rookie year um, when he came to the Rams as an undrafted free agent at a West Texas A&M in 2014. It's also the year I started covering the Rams. So I've seen him grow. I mean, he's been somebody who can be a reliable rotational piece, and I think that's exactly what the Raiders need. And because he can play outside and inside, that might... Give him a bit of a leg up over some of the other guys on the defensive line because you're talking about your game day 46 man roster. You need somebody on the defensive line who can have that kind of versatility because if somebody needs a blow, if somebody gets hurt, you can plug and play him. So I think that's why he really does have a good case to make the 53.
2: Adam, last week you spoke about Anthony Rush, who'd come into this defensive unit as somebody that you thought stood out. What did you think about him this week against Seattle? Is he somebody that you still see as maybe making a push here to make that roster?
1: Yeah, you know, watching the game last week, I thought he looked like he had in those first two weeks where he really stood out on tape. He, he makes plays, and he's just a guy that not only clogs the middle and holds his position, which is really what you have to do uh, on the inside, on the interior of the defense, but also can impact the game, can make plays in different spots. And, and those plays do jump out to you. But I, I got to tell you, when I watch back, I watch a little a little more tape afterwards and, and really focused on him. And I think there's too many plays where he gets a little bit over aggressive. Uh, he allows him to himself to get a little bit out of position, Overplays a little bit into his gap, and then is is kind of easily pushed out of the play on too many occasions. So those plays that are really good jump out to you. uh, But I'm I'm thinking the team might have seen some of the weaknesses as well. Listen, he's an undrafted rookie free agent. You're going to see some warts on that tape, along with all those great plays that he was making in the first couple weeks. uh, I think this is a guy that was really right there in a position to make the team. Uh, He may not be on the on the right side of that cut list now uh, because. You know, some of those things showed up a little bit, but listen, I think he's a guy they really want to have around. I think there might be some concern that if they do cut it, uh, somebody else swoops in because I think the Raiders would love to have him on the practice squad, but you can't just put a guy in the practice squad. You got to expose him if you cut him. So uh, there might be some, some guys like that, but listen, he's, he's just caught up in a numbers game. Really? I mean, I think the guy can really play. I think the potential is certainly there. But I know that, you know, Gruden was talking afterwards that, you know, the defensive tackle spot is going to be one of those positions where there's just a ton of really capable bodies and uh, the Raiders have to make some tough choices. That's what this time of
0: year is all about. And another. If I could jump in there, uh, Heidi, sorry. But, like, I think one of the interesting things that Gruden said about that defensive tackle spot, too, is that he's not, they're not just going to be looking at their own defensive tackles. He was saying that, you know, they're going to be looking at defensive tackles and defensive linemen from around the league. So that's where this 53 man roster is really going to get interesting because who gets cut from other places that the Raiders are going to be looking at. And that could be on defensive line, offensive line could be in, in any number of spots, but that's something to, to definitely monitor.
2: And as we monitor who is making this team, there's a lot of other guys that like you were talking about, Adam, um, maybe on the wide receiver and these guys end up like on special teams or something. But when you're looking at like Marcel Aitman at Keon Hatcher, when there's Keelan Doss out there, who's looking more and more like he should have been drafted and not coming into a team undrafted. Where do you see the line being drawn here with the wide receivers miles?
0: Oh, it's a good question. I mean, what I thought was really interesting. And we were sort of talking about this in the press box. I mean, a couple other guys from other outlets. Keelan Doss was playing in the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game. And when you think about the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game, that's not really a time where you want to be playing. If you really are somebody who is either going to make the 53 man roster or like is really trying to push for that because teams, when they're playing you in that time, it's like a lot of times it's like, okay, we're showcasing you for somebody else. So I really thought that Keelan Doss had a really good case to make the 53. But, I mean, then tonight he comes out, he drops a couple passes. I thought he responded very well um, into the second half, continuing to make plays. But I think, you know, the kid from Alameda, as Card Knox, will certainly let you know. Knock (laughs) on wood if you're with me. Uh, (laughs) But I, I, I just, I'm not sure of his case now to make the 53.
2: This episode of Vegas Nation will be right back.
0: SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign up bonus of up to
2: $50. When we talk about, you know, showcasing guys, I, it seemed as some point here that John Gruden's kind of already made his mind up and maybe this is another thing that's been attributed to Hard Knocks with the quarterbacks. Um Maybe they keep three, maybe Nathan Peterman was just out there, you know, because like you said, it's the end of the last preseason game and they already decided that Glennon's the guy. They put him in, you know, plays most of the game. Do the Raiders keep three quarterbacks here or is it just going to be Glennon as the backup to Derek Carr? Adam.
1: Well, I I think it it is going to decide. Like, I think they have a, a really tough decision to make on who it is, because I, I don't think they're comfortable going into the season with Nate Peterman as the backup, so I think Glennon has has won the job to me, not that it's necessarily you know been on the field, but you've seen practices and everything else. They've been very hesitant to put Peterman out there ahead of Glennon in the rotation. You know, we saw the the one clip on hard knocks of, of Gruden basically making the case for Peterman and saying, I think he's a better player than you guys all do. I'm going to get him out there in the game. And I know there was some frustration uh, with Glennon at the time. Look back to the, the turnovers that Glennon had in the first preseason game. Uh, those were really bothersome to Gruden. But I think he I think he's come to a conclusion that Glennon is the number two guy and it's does Peterman make the team or not. I think that's the, the question that they have. And, and the issue, and I think you, you're going to – you have to look beyond exactly what you see on the field. Uh, Peterman is a guy who's always looked good in preseason from his rookie year to last year with the with the Bills to this year. He's always been a preseason guy, mostly because he has a lot of difficulty with pressure, a lot of difficulty picking up blitzes and where to go with the ball. And you don't really see those things necessarily in the preseason of teams game planning and scheming. So Peterman is is a much more comfortable player uh, when he can just sit there. And, and make plays, and we've seen him, you know, late in games, put together a couple of drives the last couple of weeks. I think all those things are intriguing, and I think the ability, the leadership, some of those things aren't there uh, that are intriguing to Gruden that he wants to work with. Him. And I think there's an ego thing with Gruden as well, uh, and I'm not saying that as a negative, I think you have to have an ego in a lot of cases, but I think there's an ego thing to Gruden that says, hey, if I make this guy good... I'm the greatest quarterback coach of all time. I mean, this is a guy who's been an embarrassment when he's been on the field. So I think there's a little bit of that to group saying, you know, look at me, look what I can do with this guy. Uh, and I think he wants to have that project, but I don't think he's going to have that luxury if the if the other coaches are weighing in in the room and saying, hey, listen it's great that you want to have a third quarterback and you want to make him and you want to develop him, make him really good, Uh, but hey, we need this other guy here. We need you know, first, the is yelling about a guy that they need on special teams or, you know, Gunther is really pushing for an extra defensive tackle. Wherever the arguments are going to be made in that room, I think if they if they go into that discussion wanting a third quarterback, it might not go all the way through.
2: The yeah. Day. And when you look at the red zone accuracy in tonight's game or lack thereof, rather, uh, I, I don't think it's really that concerning to John Gruden at this phase, at this point. Fourth preseason game, how much these guys are or are not converting in the red zone. But I think there is concern when you're seeing, like for instance, the safety that came in and sacked uh, Nate Peterman. He loses the ball, he fumbles. It's recovered by Seattle. Those are moments where I think you know, even though he didn't see that guy coming at all that he it is concerning to see the turnover and that you know he wasn't able to put the ball in the end zone until the very last minute of the game. Miles do you think that what we saw tonight you know is any indication that we're not going to see Nathan Peterman on this roster?
0: Well, I think what you just said, I mean, the fact that he didn't see a front side blitzer coming, that's that's a problem. Right. And, you know, you're not game planning for these things um, when you're in the preseason, especially preseason game number four. But at the same time, I think any time a quarterback is getting hit, but like like it's a blind side from the yeah. front side. That that's a problem, right? And you have to be able to protect the football. And to that point, Nathan Peterman had done actually a very good job of not turning the ball over um, throughout those first uh, the, the first preseason games. So, I think I, I really agree with Adam. I think it's it's a question of whether or not the Raiders are going to keep three quarterbacks as opposed to whether or not Nathan Peterman is going to be the backup quarterback because. If I'm John Gruden, if I'm Mike Mayock, I'm not comfortable with Nathan Peterman being my backup quarterback. I'm I'm not. And, you know, maybe it's because I just remember him going to Carson and throwing five picks <laughs> in the first half. Maybe it's because I remember seeing him last season and he starts the season for the Bills and they're like, oh, no, this guy is still a turnover machine. Let's just put in our rookie and let's con- compete that way. Um, But I think there certainly have been strides that Nathan Peterman has taken. Um, He says he's more comfortable in the offense. He says he's comfortable with Gruden. I think we've seen him do some really good things in the preseason. But if it's me, I'm going with the guy that's been in the league since 2013, has been a backup quarterback in the past. And that's Mike Glennon. And, you know, if Nathan Peterman's on the roster, great. If not, then he'll, he'll get another job somewhere else because he's a young quarterback and all those quarterbacks seem to do that.
2: So that will do it here for the game wrap up of this preseason game. The Raiders end it three and one in the preseason. And something we actually talked to our guest here, Alex Marvez, about was the quarterback position and what he expects to see from Derek Carr this year, his second year working under the Gruden system. (coughs) Right, So, Alex, tell me right now, when you look at the Raiders, their team who's trying to improve off of a 4-12 and 12 season, there are a lot of eyes looking to see if this team can turn things around. On paper, when you look at this roster, how likely do you think it is that they can produce a winning season?
3: I think it's possible, Uh, you know, just because I think they can score a lot of points. uh, You know, I I do know that that's a real positive for this team. And I think, you know, and listen, don't want to get too carried away with a preseason game like you did with the Arizona Cardinals. But it was just a a good way to look back a year. And just when you think about how far the Raiders have come, it's clear that Derek Carr has complete command. Of this offense you, you really like that you like what Darren Waller is shown at tight end you like the addition of, of Tyrell Williams at the wide receiver position Hunter Renfrew I think is going to become a pretty darn effective target for him for this team you know and for Derek Carr so and I think the offensive line is is solid across the board as well a lot no even though without Gabe Jackson and Richie incognito at some point I'd be guard position to be a bit problematic early in the season but I, I think otherwise though at the tackle positions this is a solid team that has made a lot of investment so we know what Rodney Hudson brings to the table I mean defensively this is where you get concerned because uh, while it's definitely an upgraded group we still don't know where the pass rush is going to come from beside the blitzing that I think you guys a good example of or you know how the Raiders are going to approach this to an extent they do trust the back end that's the one thing about this Raiders team the strength of the defense clearly is the secondary and you have a player like Lamarcus Joyner you could send on blitzes I think that they trust being able to send some some different guys after the quarterback and for the back end of the defense to hold up long enough, hoping that the pressure is going to get there. But I'm just not sure where else it comes from. How quickly can Cleland Farrell develop into someone who affects the quarterback? Arden Key, how quickly is he going to develop it, you know, into someone who can affect the quarterback? These types of things. Linebacker depth, extremely thin. Let me just put it like this. I get the feeling that the Raiders are going to need every point they score on offense to comp, you know, to compensate for some things that are happening on defense. But I still think it's a team, though, headed in the right direction. And it's definitely going to be an improved club from 2018. How much better? Well, we'll see, because they're playing in a pretty tough division as well.
2: Right. And after a season where they accumulated 13 total sacks, the only way to go is up. So you touched on (laughs) a lot of these improvements that the Raiders have made. What do you think was the main area that was the best that they had actually improved on?
3: Well, I mean, I just, I like the secondary a lot. And I had referenced that earlier, but you know, LaMarcus Joyner is such a versatile player. I mean, and, and gives, you know, he's got that position flexibility, you know, he can cover a slot. You know, anybody could can also play safety. He can rush the quarterback. He's got the, that, that blitz ability. And, you know, with Jonathan Abram now joining him, those two safeties are really solid. Uh, you know, and Abram, as we know, the guy who, you know, can bring it a little bit when it comes to hitting some folks. He has to ratchet it back a little bit, as we know. He got ejected a couple of times in Mississippi State. But I got to know him a little bit through the pre-draft process. process. And this guy, he cares about football. He wants to be great. I think those are things that you know you can't teach you either have it or you don't so I'm excited about that i you know Trayvon Mullen someone who's gonna have you know a, he has a pretty bright future ahead as well second-round pick out of Clemson at corner and the resigning of Daryl Worley I know he's not a newcomer but he's someone who clearly the Raiders like he's atop their official depth chart and you throw that in with the other guys that they have and you know by the way I mean too, I think Curtis Riley was an under the radar type signing guy sort of 16 games for the New York Giants last year and he's a real good special teams guy but I mean this is a quality player so suddenly garyon Connolly, carl joseph nick nelson they've got some good guys supporting them you had nevin lawson as well from the detroit lions guy who started a bunch of games there and i mean it's just a really deep overall unit and what i think it does you know again buys this raiders team a little bit of time as they try to develop Pass rush. You know, that's the thing. You hope Max Crosby's going to continue, you know, the fourth round pick out of Eastern Michigan. He ultimately becomes someone who can affect the quarterback. But, you know, you you have that ability, though, for these guys to hang in there, be able to stick with wide receivers long enough to be able to give the defensive line, that front seven even, the chance to be able to hit the QB.
0: Alex, when it comes to Derek Carrs, where do you come down on? I guess basically how good he is because he is going to be somebody that is extremely important if the Raiders are actually going to take that next step forward.
3: Yeah, I'm a Derek Carr fan. I mean, and I've talked to Tim Brown about this, uh, you know, extensively. And of course, he's one of my co-hosts on Sirius XM NFL Radio, a man who knows John Gruden inside and out. And, you know, he said when the Raiders, you know, first brought in John Gruden back in the late 1990s, it took honestly two and a half years for them to get fully comfortable with John Gruden his type of system the offense etc it's obviously being accelerated a little bit now I don't think you have I mean in the case of Gruden he's got you know nine years left on his contract he's not going anywhere anytime soon but I do think that there's that desire by Gruden to try to accelerate the process as well and he's got more personnel say than he did obviously when, when the late Al Davis was running the team so that being said I think you saw Derek Carr turn a corner last year when it came to not committing turnovers he had that long trench without throwing an INT which was impressive and and showed that he was getting the hang of it even though he didn't have a whole bunch of offensive weapons around him because guys kept getting hurt and I think that I just think Derek Carr is a really good quarterback I really do I think he's not that far off from that guy who led the Raiders to a you know 11 and 5 or he was 11 and 4 I think at the time until we suffered that leg injury a couple years ago under Jack Del Rio and then the whole season went down the drain so I I think Derek I, I mean I think this is a guy you and listen, the Raiders, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the Raiders think, too, right? And they had a chance to try to find a replacement quarterback. They could have selected anyone outside of Kyler Murray, and I don't think they were ever in the Kyler Murray business. I think they believe in Derek Carr, and I think that faith is going to pay dividends.
2: Well, when you look at this team overall, we, of course, have the Antonio Brown drama happening right now, and I'm thinking that a lot of this – will subside once the actual season gets underway and we're playing football and the drama will come to a halt uh, with Antonio Brown. Did the Raiders know what they were getting into with him and, and this diva type of attitude that he's presented? And more importantly, though, do you think that he's the type of guy that's going to still have it as a 31 year old wide receiver that is going to be able to have chemistry and connect with Derek Carr?
3: I think so. I mean, in terms of the, the ability to play at a high level, and no one has ever doubted, you know, how hard a- Antonio Brown works to keep himself in shape to play at a high level. The last time we saw him on a football field playing in a game. He was the best player on the field, Heidi. He was the best one in in feature on a game between Pittsburgh and New Orleans that features future Hall of Famers, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, uh, and let's not forget, too, Mike Thomas, who is now the highest paid wide receiver in football. Antonio Brown was the best. He was better than all of them. I mean, the guy was basically unstoppable at the receiver position. He then imploded. And Antonio Brown was his own worst enemy when it comes to these sorts of things. And, you know, that's what you say. You hope it subsides and and that, you know, the helmet stuff becomes a thing of the past and moves on and there isn't an issue but you know there's no history that tells you that antonio brown won't be moving on to the next crisis that's part of the problem in recent years if it's not the helmet is it going to be something else that unfolds with Antonio Brown. Is it is it another issue? Something that that's bothering him, or if he's not getting the football thrown at him the right way by Derek Carr, does he throw a hissy fit? And, and then it, you know, relationship problems happen, like you did with Ben Roethlisberger, because Antonio Brown wasn't putting in the time with the Steelers to know his plays. That was you know, and that was part of the frustration. If we go back to it, why did things go south with Ben Roethlisberger? Well, basically, Antonio Brown ran the wrong route in practice, and Ben Roethlisberger threw the football into the ground. And then it led to a blow up between the two and AB left. I mean, you know, the, the most disturbing thing that I read out of Mike Silver's 20 uh, tweet thread that came out about the helmet situation and the threats to retire, et cetera, wasn't so much, you know, convention about the helmet. To me, it was reading how Antonio Brown wasn't paying attention in wide receiver meetings and basically was just sitting there on his tablet looking at his social media accounts and bank accounts. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that, that worries me. Is Antonio Brown, is he going to stay focused on football? And is it just, you know, is this the helmet thing just a prelude to something else? You're talking about someone who started to accumulate a decent amount of lawsuits against him for, you know, people who claim that they, he, they were hired to provide service for him. We have a personal trainer. We have a personal chef. They're not paid. We had someone who, you know, had to, you know, uh, have a story of, accused of throwing furniture off of his balcony. I mean, these types of things that just continue to follow Antonio Brown around makes you wonder what is his mental state? How's he living life away from football? So, Heidi, well, yeah, the helmet stuff may come and go. Is there just another headache waiting around the corner when it comes to Antonio Brown? And one has to wonder, too, are the Raiders simply just trying to get through one season with Antonio Brown and then cut ties? As crazy as it is and just admit, hey, we made a mistake. It is what it is. Let's move on. I think they want to do everything they can to see if it works out in 2019, but I don't think there's any guarantees for 2020. I think Antonio Brown has really shaken the trust of this Raiders organization.
2: And again, we will see what happens. Alex, I know you have to get out of here. I really appreciate your time. Last thing I would like to ask you is just how many wins do you predict for this Raiders team in 2019?
3: I think they're about an eight and eight team. I just don't trust the defense enough to be to be that, that much of a difference maker to be able to keep up with the offense at times. I also think too playing Kansas City, playing the Chargers, even with the Melvin Gordon drama that is happening and a Denver defense that's awfully good. I mean I like put Denver and Oakland in competition really to be around, you know, eight and eight type of teams. I think it's a better division overall. Maybe the Raiders will surprise, but I think they're inching closer. To where they want to be let me just pull like this they're on the right track for 2020 in las vegas and i think that's really what you're looking at here is a team that at that point should be ready to compete for a division title if they keep going the way they're going just going to be one year away in my opinion in 2019
2: thank you alex so much for the time we certainly appreciate it you can find alex online on twitter at alex marvez and he also hosts sirius xm nfl radio <laughs> Well, we certainly appreciate Alex's take and everything that we just discussed with the Raiders in the upcoming season. And we will hope to have him again here on the show with the Vegas Nation crew. As we wrap things up, don't forget roster cuts happen August 31st. Miles, what can we expect uh, from when this comes down? What do we know about when those when we'll find out about the 53-man roster?
0: Yeah, so hopefully, and this is in in an ideal world, we'll see if that actually turns out to be the case, we will hear about who the cuts are in the afternoon on Saturday because, of course, they are due at 1 p.m. But sometimes clubs like to be a little sneaky with them because they think, oh, man, if I don't release the cuts you know, to the media, then maybe I can sneak my guy through um, to the practice squad a little bit easier. So we'll see if that happens. Um, but so then we should learn who the Raiders 53 man roster is on Saturday and then Sunday they can establish a 10-man practice squad and they're probably based on what Gruden has been saying will be a little bit of more movement based on who else gets cut throughout the league so that 53. I like to call it the initial 53, because (laughs) when you hear your name on Saturday, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be there on Sunday. If you're guy number 50, 51, 52, 53, you know what I'm saying? Because there is so much movement throughout the league. Uh, Like almost 1200 players are going to be cut on Saturday. Think about that. That is so much of the workforce. 41% of the player workforce is going to be cut on Saturday. So again, there can be a lot of movement, so hopefully we will get that and then we will talk to you everybody else once we know what this roster is going to
2: look like. And if Gruden thought he had tough calls to make just tonight, man, with all those 1,200 guys out there, it's going to be a lot tougher, I think. But again, you can find us all here, um, VegasNation.com on the Vegas Nation app for all things silver and black. Check us out on ReviewJournal.com slash podcasts. And Vegas Nation, again, is always brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Stations Casino. You can give Adam a follow on Twitter at Adam Hill, L V R J. Miles is at Miles A. Simmons, and I am at Heidi Fang we will be back next tuesday talking all things hard knocks last episode so don't forget to check in with us for that thank you so much everyone for listening